are you watching the Super Bowl again? put Kirby in a body bag on the message chat. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really want to start? I gotta, I'm going to have to mute this uh, group chat. <laughs> what did he send here? Lakers in it. Uh, let's see here. I get my hopes up. <laughs> I get disappointed. I start to believe again. And then I said the 49ers could be the logo. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. He just saw it. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Put him in a body bag! <laughs> it's true, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this in the show, and I'm going to post that meme under the uh, Facebook post. <laughs> He's already getting defensive. <laughs> Going nowhere. <laughs> Put him in a body bag. <laughs> I stuffed I stuffed you in one earlier this week, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was though. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why is it so funny? I don't know. <laughs> Just this. This is true though, the freaking Lakers. Jesus. They won last night. Yeah, they did. They have to win the the rest of the way out, though. (laughs) I don't know if they have to do that. I don't even know if that They have to win 14 games, I think. I don't know. All all for the right to play Golden State in the first round. (laughs) Should be real fun for LeBron. Yeah. Round ball rock. (laughs) Round ball rock. I bet you guys didn't. Bet you guys didn't watch that video. When John Tesh. Yeah, John Tesh pretends to dribble the basketball and he gets that noise going. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, it is. That's what I was thinking when I watched it. I was like, this is a classic. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at RC10Ts on eBay right now. Oh. It's not easy to find. It's not easy to find a good vintage uh, RC car now on eBay. Oh, yeah, why is that? It, like the stuff is just kind of disappearing. Like the good. The good RC10Ts and GTs and this stuff just doesn't exist anymore on here. About three or four years ago, you could kind of bump into some pretty nice stuff, but now it's like it's either garbage or not even the right vehicle. That's crazy. 
It's weird, wild stuff. Do you see the video I bumped into of the girl that can speak like Siri? Uh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, I it's pretty. It's pretty pretty good. I thought that was fake though. I could be yeah. wrong. I could be wrong. I, I did watch the one. Well, maybe it's maybe it's real, but uh, I thought I read in the comments it was fake, and then I saw the one where the. Um, but I guess this was real. The A uh, A O L guy, you got mail. Oh, I, I didn't see that one yet. A O L A O L. Is that hard to? A O L. Yeah. A O L. It's kind of hard to say. A O L. A O L. I just created a AOL email just for the hell of it recently. <laughs> that sounds useful. Yeah. Gotti Jr. at AOL.com. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it's like, actually this has I, been used before. <laughs> well, it has because I have that one from back in the day. So I had to put Gotti Jr. I spelled Jr. out and then 7XL at AOL.com. So you guys can email me there if you want. Please. Recently made an AOL account. I just did it for, for shits and giggles. You know? I just came out of a uh, cryogenic freezing. Well, I downloaded the uh, AOL app. I was like, yeah, you know, go on there and uh, check it out. And uh, I created an email just for, uh, you know, so I have a <laughs> you, AOL. <laughs> you popped on. You weren't on for five minutes. It's someone hits you up. Age, sex, location. <laughs> 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 ASL, please. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I miss Messenger. Why is that so funny? It just is. Oh man! Because everyone went through it in that day. I said that to Thomas the other day. He knew exactly what I was talking about. I did it, yeah. yeah. ASL, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that magical number was 18. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't see the 18 in there, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Can't talk to you, AOL Messenger just closed down, what, in December, right? Yeah. That's sad. We use Slack now at work. Ah, see? You took my uh, advice. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that. Good to see. Good to see. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm... Did I? Am I in there? there? I don't think so. <laughs> wait a minute. How come I'm not in that? I don't know. Huh. All right. Well, you'll have to shoot me the... Uh... You have to shoot me that over the invite. Hmm. Sure, this doesn't kick you off. Nope, you're still here. And we Perfect. are calling Jared Hello? Tebow. Jared, how you doing? Oh, doing pretty good. All right, man. Gotti Jr. here. I got Jason Rona with me. I think you know him. I think so. Known him for a couple years. What's going on, Jared? Oh, not too much. Not too much. Working on uh, working on my new EB410 right now, actually. Oh, nice. 
So this is this is a you so say you're building a whole new car because the Reedy Race went on the shelf. Yep, yep, yeah. Reedy Race caused me a little bit extra work, but it's worth it. Yeah, building building some new cars. Yeah, congratulations by the way, there, bro. Yeah, thanks. It was awesome. We got uh, yeah, we tried to have you on a couple weeks ago. We got a couple. We had some delays, and then we got a couple races in the middle, but still wanted to get you to come on and talk about the Reedy race because it was obviously a big deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was bummed we uh, we had to cancel a couple weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, happy I come back on. And, yeah, the, the Reedy race was, was awesome for me. Um, you know, a race that I've always wanted to win. I have came pretty close to winning but you know it was kind of the one you know major you know title i didn't really have and the, the last few years have gone pretty rough there so i was kind of thinking man i might you know might not actually be able to get that so yeah to to have a really good event and you know take that title it was it was really special for sure um to do it you know kind of in that fashion too with you know, debuting uh, with techno cars and also with Macklin and all that was was just a little bit extra special. So it was cool. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit wild, but I mean, it's you ran you ran Orion for so long, and and it's like you know the the speed control thing. I guess is really one of the things that doesn't stand out, or the electronics right away. But, I mean, how long did you run Orion? I ran Orion for, yeah, 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, a little bit over 10 years because my, um, my last couple races actually with Associated, um, I know, like, the Reedy, the, my last Reedy truck race with Associated, I had Team Orion stuff okay. in my car. So, yeah, 10 years and a couple months. So was, yeah, I mean that was that that was a that was a long time for sure. Yeah, I mean then people I think sometimes undervalue I guess how important all these electronic components are. I mean all the the moves during the off season, people always talk about oh what chassis is they going to run and all that type of thing, but um I mean all these other things are just as important to have correct uh to win a race, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think even sometimes, like, you know, electronics, engine, um, you know, tires, radio. Sometimes even that stuff, I think, is even tougher than changing the car, because um, a lot of that stuff is like really your the kind of thing that you're like hands on feeling all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a big part of the confidence too. I mean, obviously the car is a big confidence part too, but you know, car stuff can, you know, they always kind of drive around and, you know, especially if you have, you know, some teammates and things like that and, you know, you can gain some confidence if they're running well and things like that. But, uh, yeah, the electronics is huge. Cause that's like the thing that kind of, 
you know, goes from your hands to the actual car. So that feeling has to be really good and you have to be really comfortable to, to have, to have a good result. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a really cool thing for Macklin too. And, um, and Willie and Brandon, those guys over there, you know, big win for them. And that was actually the toughest part of my whole program, kind of getting it all finalized. And I was super stressed out about it. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, you know, I, I pretty much focused on my car deal and then, you know, I knew my electronics deal was up, but I, I kind of thought maybe my Orion thing would be there if I wanted it to be. And so I wasn't really that worried. I was, I was kind of looking to change, but I wasn't, it wasn't high on my priority list. And then, you know, once my car deal was figured, you know, was done and everything, then Orion basically just, you know, let me go, told me that they, you know, didn't want to renew my contract. And then I started looking around and was like, oh no, everyone's budgets are full. And it was looking really, really bad there for a, for a little bit. Um, but yeah, Joe Pillars really helped me out and got me in contact with Willie and uh, he sent me some stuff to test and um, initially right away, the stuff felt, felt great. I didn't really have to change, you know, no drastic changes or no um, major software updates or anything. They had a new software that they'd been working on and that's kind of what they, what they gave me to start with. So I never really ran their normal uh, software that they were previously selling. And yeah, just a couple little, you know, little setting changes here and there. And I was, I was comfortable right away. So that was, uh, that, that was pretty awesome. I, I was going into the event really confident with all that stuff. And, uh, as far as I, I might not have really looked at all this yet, but what, uh, in your like e-buggy and that type of thing, what type of electrical are you running in that is still the Macklin or do you have to run something else at the moment? Nope, I'm running uh, running the Macklin stuff. So they they have a motor and battery and everything that they're selling, um, you know, and it's all working really great. So we're working on the speed control stuff right now. So what I ran at DNC was, um, you know, just something in testing. Okay. But uh, it was it was it was pretty good, you know. I um, it still needs a little bit of fine tuning here and there. So, um, you know, not sure when it's going to be all ready and everything. So, uh, you know, they definitely want it to be really high performance and really, uh, you know, feeling super good when it, when it comes out. So, I mean, it, it was, it was feeling really good, I think there, you know, um, but I think we can still get it feeling a little bit better. And, uh, the electric gate scale is always really challenging. Um, the, those speed controls in the motor, they have to go through so much abuse and there's so much power and, you know, trying to get that feeling right, I think is pretty difficult, but yeah, they're, they're working hard on it. And I think, uh, I think the next race, it's going to be, you know, quite a bit better than it was at DNC and, you know, even DNC, I was, I was right there. So just kind of had unfortunate main event start and <laughs> finished bad, but, um, it, it was working. It was working pretty good. So, got high hopes for it. 
Yeah, I mean, what were you? Uh, did you qualify third or something in e-buggy? I forget. You're right up there towards the top, yeah, right? Yeah, I qualified third and was feeling really good. Actually, in, in practice and qualifying, um, that was probably the car I was least comfortable with. Um, the whole weekend was just challenging. I was, uh, you know, just one of those weekends. Sometimes they go smooth, sometimes they don't. And it was just kind of one of those uphill weekends. And, you know, e-buggy, I had great qualifying was third uh still wasn't super comfortable so um i ended up changing my shock package to um exactly what born horse had and my car like before the main you know like the one lap we did and even in the the a main practice i thought my car was pretty darn good and just had a really silly crash on my side on the first lap we went into that back roller section and I think Tessman jumped a little too far and he crashed off the second one and my race plan was to go outside there and hit that jump. You could either go like really, really tight or you could go outside. Well, Ty was crashing and he was going to be right about where I needed to go um, when his car was done flipping and he was in second. So, I just made a quick decision to dive to the inside and, you know, try to make the double there. And I made the corner really good and was like up against the pipe. Thought I was going to be totally fine. And I just cased it. Um, ended up crashing. I think I may have landed on my wheels, but I was at like a dead stop. So then I just got blasted from the back yeah. and went super far back. You know, I don't know if I was last, but I went, I went really far back and then, it was just like a complete death match battle after that. And, um, I got in a really good rhythm halfway through and ended up falling back up to maybe like fifth or sixth, but there was a huge pack and a huge battle for third, mm-hmm. second or third. I don't know. Cause I know, uh, Ronald Fultz had kind of pulled away, but there was a big battle there going on for the podium for the rest of the podium spots. And, I was like really catching a lot of people and like making tons of passes and I was feeling really good. And then, um, you do that big center triple go outside and there was a big pack of us and we all kind of were checking up for each other and everything for that double and someone in front of me crashed and I ended up casing it and crashing too. And so the marshal ran for that first guy and I lost a ton of positions again, just, you know, pretty much just waiting to get marshaled after the first car crashed. So, um, that was, that was really unfortunate. I think I definitely had a podium podium potential in the e-buggy class, but that's kind of how those single, those single 10 minute mains can go. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it reminds me almost more of a dash for cash, <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, it's just like, all right, let's see how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, especially there, because we don't drive for a whole day. And then, you know, I mean, that, that race was just so crazy. And then it was like, you get your aim in warm in the middle of the day, but it's like hot out and it's dry. And the track was totally different. And then come racing, it was super cold it was dark the track was watered and for 10 minutes like none of us can do any warm-up laps so you do like i did one and a half 
kind of halfway warm up laps and it's like, oh man, well, here you go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's pretty challenging for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh what'd you think overall about the event kind of moving from Arizona over to California? And I mean, obviously you, um, I mean, you raced the original Nitra Challenge races out in Hemet, and you've won uh, several of them out there between eight scale and truck and everything else. But what was it like kind of going back to California, I guess? Um, I mean, it didn't, you know, it didn't really have a feel like, you know, back in Hemet or anything. But, yeah, I've, I've raced at all four of the different, you know, uh, Nitra Challenge venues now. And, um I I thought I thought it went great, you know, there was all sorts of craziness leading up to the event with, you know, rain and, you know, the forecast and everything like that and not having the track built and um you know, just some people even wondering if the event was even gonna happen. Yeah. Um I I thought I thought it was pretty good, you know, for for what it was and you know, everything that kind of happened, you know, they, they did a good job. Um, I like the size of the track, you know, I think a lot of people probably didn't really enjoy the layout. Um, you know, wasn't, wasn't my favorite track to drive on. you know, I thought it, I thought it definitely got funner as it got rougher, mm-hmm. but they just didn't have any time, um, to work on it and everything like that. I'm sure, I'm sure next year, you know, hopefully the weather holds out or I don't know if he's going to try to get it under something covered or, you know, I didn't really talk to him about next year's plan, but I, I thought all in all the event went good. You know, the best two weather days probably in California for the past month were Saturday and Sunday, which that was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, all the races ran off and, you know, the track was super, was super tough and, you know, I, I think that made it better than if it if it would have stayed smooth. Um, the track was pretty darn easy in practice, so I, I thought it all I thought it all shaped out really good. It got a little rougher than I was expecting, but uh, it was it was still really fun to drive on in the mains. Well, what do you think about the you know the upcoming events and stuff? What do you have on your calendar? What you're kind of looking forward to, I guess, and. Um, that type of thing yeah so next for me is next week desert classic really looking forward to that um you know like i said reedy race reedy race was awesome and i feel really confident with those cars um absolutely loving my my techno four-wheel drive so you know i felt like at the Reedy race, so many people were kind of like, oh, man, you did so good with the B6. You did so good with the B6. And, <laughs> you know, kind of just talking about that because my two-wheel scores were really good. But my four-wheel, all my starts were super bad. And I thought my four-wheel drive car had a ton of pace and was really good. And a lot of those races, I was kind of in bad positions and, you know, had some, you know, I don't want to say bad luck, but just, you know, r- typical Reedy race things happen. And I was able to still get a lot of really good points for that. So I'm looking forward to kind of my first, you know, heads up, heads up race with the techno four wheel drive. Um, you know, I know kind of how hobby action is and it gets really edgy and it's really 
challenging to drive on the main day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think my car is going to be awesome. You know, also looking forward to racing, racing two wheel drive there. And then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do another eight scale race. Uh, DNC was just, was just kind of one of those weekends for me. Um, you know, new, new kind of new, new pit guy with Danny helping me. Um, you know, and then racing, racing all three classes. So that was the first time racing the e-buggy and just, uh, just kind of right from the get go had just a tough weekend, just weird things going on. Um, just kind of some weird things in Truggy. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready just to kind of put that race behind me and move forward and get to the next eight skill race and, and, uh, you know, try to fight for those wins. Yeah. I have desert classic, I'm home for a week and then I'm doing a race in Dallas, the icebreaker. Yeah. So that will be my next eight skill race and then home for a week and then doing a P and B after that. So, okay. Yeah. That's two, well, three really good races. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to desert classic and then P and B always like, always like P and B and, you know, feel like the, just in the past kind of being outside of techno, I always thought their cars seemed really good at that track. Uh, Lux always did really well. Born Horse always did really well. So looking forward to going to that track with, with my new cars and, um, yeah, just kind of getting back on track with the eight scale. Yeah, that was kind of interesting because, um, you're going to head out there to Texas to the icebreaker, which I could definitely see that being a really good event for you, you know, um, in the indoor track, right? Indoor eight scale track, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. At uh, NDRC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been following a lot of their stuff on social media and watching their track. And, um, I, I noticed they got a, you know, the pretty much a max turnout there. I think it's sold out. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people excited excited that uh, me and Joe are going, so that should be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, before we you know talk a little bit about you know a little further on into your schedule there, but uh, what's it kind of like um, with the? I, I noticed you posted a photo on social media about um, with you and Lutz on the airplane next to each other. Um, it was kind of funny, I thought, um, because it was almost like what, whatever you said on in the caption was kind of what I was thinking, where it's like you, you're like not really rivals, but it's kind of weird because it's it's not it's kind of like you took his place on that team and he's on a different team. And it's not like you're really rivals, but I'm sure there's some one guy's watching the other a little bit to see how they do. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, um there's a lot of that, a lot of that going on, but, um, I, I think as far as Ryan and I, you know, we're, we're friends before we're friends now, we'll be friends after, um, you know, nothing's really, nothing's really changed there. Um, but I, you know, I do think it's, you know, there's definitely a little bit something there kind of, kind of for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, Ryan's a, a really great driver, 
Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't quite been able to like have that full total kind of breakout and like get those really big wins. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm sure he's, he's watching me, you know, thinking like, you know, man, I hope, you know, probably, you know, just in my head, I'm thinking he's probably like, man, I hope he doesn't, you know, win all these big races with, with, uh, the cars I, I used to be, used to be driving, which, you know, I always thought he was really competitive with the techno cars. And he did really well, um, you know, just never quite able to, like, get that win at, like, a national or a TNC or something something like that. I mean, he won a lot of other races that, you know, a lot of us all were, were at, but mm-hmm. he wasn't quite under the, under the really big spotlight. So, you know, I'm sure he's watching me a little bit like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching him just a little bit, just a little bit different just because, you know, there hasn't really been anyone in the U S that's ran the Agama stuff. So, you know, I'm curious to see how he does with it, you know, how the cars work and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 uh, we're all good and still buddies. But yeah, I was, you know, it was pretty funny. We're all kind of playing the social media game pretty hard for, uh, for the silly season and then you know we did our debut both of us at sic and so yeah when i first got there you know like oh man i'm racing your old buggy and you know the old nitro buggy because you know obviously we have the new car so they actually just gave me ryan's car that he was racing mm-hmm. um so you know that was that was kind of funny so i'm sure you know he was thinking about that a little bit but uh it's, it's like yeah sure he's gonna win with my old buggy <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah the the flight was funny because so i've flown southwest for probably like 12 years and uh the techno guys have always flown delta so that's what that's what ryan flies is all delta so they they had me switch over which is you know kind of a you know a big silly season change yeah just for the travel life side and so yeah we get onto the plane and yeah sure enough he was sitting like right next to me that wasn't you know we didn't move seats or anything like that that's actually how it just ended up so that was pretty funny um but yeah we we had a good little chat on the plane and you know wish him well and i'm sure he wishes me well but uh it is it is a little weird when you move somewhere and you know not like i took his spot or anything but you know the teams all kind of have budgets for only having x amount of drivers so you can't you know normally to get one you have to get rid of one so Mm -hmm. just kind of how it just kind of how it works out Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was pretty funny because you know i kind of think about that kind of stuff and um obviously it exists when you're at the races and stuff so i thought kind of thought it was funny that you're kind of acknowledging that a little bit (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so we did the um, Desert Classic, the Icebreaker. Uh, you talked about PMB. Um, I mean, you've raced every race there is, but what is, uh, I, I guess, the first one of the first questions is, is, what is your favorite race? And then where do you rank this PMB experience amongst all those races that you've ran or what your favorite is? Um favorite race is tough i would say probably 
like my all-time favorite race I always looked forward to going to would be Neo Buggy. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I just, I love that race. The people that, that kind of know me well know that just like race organization and just kind of organization in general is something that, you know, I really like and, uh, you know, is a pet peeve of mine when things aren't organized and I just really like that race how like you went there there was a certain amount of heats like they're all full and like it was a timetable and you knew when you had to be there and you knew when you're going to run and you knew what the track conditions were going to be and it was like you knew everything going there and it's like, the exact opposite of the nitro kind of, challenge yeah yeah exactly and you know you could just really focus on like your car and your driving yeah you know like all the other things you didn't have to worry about um and i always i always really liked the track there um i always thought they built really cool unique different tracks that were you know slower more technical um lots of just little features that you know most people probably don't even realize were just like little bumps here and like off campers here and different stuff Split like that lanes. But I always, <laughs> yeah i always really just enjoyed that race um so that's probably you know one of my all-time favorite races um other than that you know i i love like the world's you know anytime just going to a world and just what it kind of stands for and everything like that <clears throat> um you know, currently, um, I like I like AMS a lot uh, for some reason. I always look forward to that one. I think mm-hmm. it's more like the track. So yeah. I base a lot of my, you know, what races I look forward to on, on the track. And I really like the size of AMS. Mm-hmm. I like the dirt. Mm-hmm. And um, I normally really like the layout there, too. Yeah, I agree. I always like that. There's just something about the facility and the size of the track and, like you said, the dirt. Um, yeah. And, hold, and it kind of holds together. You know, it gets a little bumpy, but not completely out of control. Um, yep. So it is neo-buggy-esque, I guess you could say. Um, it, it's a little deeper, I think, but um, maybe a little. That neo-buggy track seemed long. It seemed long and, like, not very deep. There's like that back yeah, door. Yeah, not deep, and it is really long. Yeah, which <laughs> which always made it uh, interesting. A lot of people probably don't know that never went there, but you actually had to drive. The driver's stand was marked by car numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so even that, you never had to like stress over or anything because you drove on your car number uh, regardless. And it was, I don't know. I would say 75% of the times I went there, I was always car like 12 to 15 for practice. And then I would always seed really good. You know, a lot of the years I would seed it first. So then I would move from spot, you know, somewhere 12 to 15, which is all the way on one side. And then for the first qualifier, I would be spot number one. It was like a whole different track. Um, so that was always something interesting with that race, but, uh, something kind of cool. It's weird that no other races do that. Yeah. I, 
I remember I never even thought about that till one time. Um, I think I went to the race two years, two or three years, and um, like you know Mayfield tell me about it. He's like, yeah, I go up there for practice. I'm way over here, and then I do the seating, and that person I'm way over here. I don't know what the heck's going on <laughs> on the side of the track. And, but that's what you're describing is you know you have to be ready for that and yeah like now you're the fate you know now you're the hot seated guy you know you're the favorite and then all of a sudden they you know you just top seated on one end of the driver's stand and now you got to go to totally to the other um which i mean it makes a big difference too right i mean when you i mean everyone wants to pick their spot and in that situation you don't even get to yeah yeah and when the tracks are really like wide like that um that's kind of why i was saying is or how this all kind of started is when they're really wide like that, then it really makes a big difference Mm -hmm. because one side of the track looks, you know, really different than the other side of the track, you know, a a square track, like what we had at DNC, um, you know, obviously the spot's still pretty important, but like a section doesn't, it doesn't seem like it changes as much when you move, when the track's not really, really wide. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so we got the Neo Buggy Race, which, obviously, they are going to run sort of a, a, a DXR Kings or something, they're calling it, and I'm sure you're yeah. te- you've, you've been tempted to go um, just for that feeling, but it seems like you'd have to include the Neo Buggy crew to make it a legit Neo Buggy-style race, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know, I'm... Uh, you know, I, I think as it stands right now, I don't, it's looking more like I'm not going to be going, um, you know, the opportunity is kind of there, but I don't know, you know, it's just kind of been, that race just seems like it's been kind of quiet on the media side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a lot of money to go there and you just don't know exactly, um, who's all going to be there and all the media coverage and all that. Um, you know, I, I think the race would be exactly the same, the same people that ran it are running it. The same people that built the track are building the track. It's at the same place. You know, I don't think much is going to be different, um, except maybe just kind of the hype and the, and the media and everything. So, you know, I, I would love to go back. It's looking like I probably won't this year. Um, hopefully the race goes awesome and there's a lot of buzz about it. And then, you know, it can get, you know, permanently put on my schedule for next year. Um, cause I, I would love to go back. I love that track. Yeah. It's, it's definitely somewhere that you've, uh, dominated at, uh, did you win six or seven? Um, I think six. Okay. Yeah. I- um, yeah, I'm pretty sure six. Yeah, I was trying to make sure because uh, I know you won. Obviously, they were all with uh, Kyosho and then with your AKA stuff. But then the one year you did run when you were running for Proline, I think you won the race too, right? Yeah, yeah, I won. I think five straight, and then there was two that I lost. Um, one was really close to winning with me and Cav battling. Mm-hmm. And the first one that I lost was not close at all. I, uh, I, I was rushing and 
glued my tires without any holes in them. And that was just <laughs> a really long main with a terrible handling car with no holes in any of my tires. Um, and then, yeah, one with the Proline tires. And then the next year I was, you know, close in the hunt and uh, the year Ongaro won. That's right. But uh, I think I ended up not getting on the podium at the very end. I know I, you know, me and Ongaro battled and maybe me and Boots. And I, I don't mm-hmm. remember who the the other person was. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's been a great place for sure. Yeah, I, I remember that one uh, with Angaro, and I actually thought that you were going to win that for a while. I, I believe you, you were I right there. You're you're right there for quite a while, um, and yeah, like something just didn't quite click towards the end or the middle or something. But yeah, I thought there was it was a good there was a good run there where I thought you were going to win that one also. Yeah, yeah, it was something I don't I'm trying to remember kind of like i think that was the year i don't know if like i started first and maybe it was like mayfield started second and like the very first turn i like hit a pipe or something and like rolled over and lost a couple positions and i just never quite got in my rhythm yeah um i think that i think that was that year i just uh, and just never quite got into it. I was super fast because they had that huge quad, and I was, like, the only person jumping it. And I remember catching Ongaro and, like, quadding next to him and almost passing him on that quad, but just never quite being able to. And just I never fully got into my flow. I crashed. I crashed a lot that man. Yeah, I remember that. And you had uh, – um, who's um... – Mick Craddock's, it was his daughter that was pitting you, right? Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, she was doing a good job. I don't know how many times she pitted you there, but I thought she was doing a good job in that race. Oh, yeah, she did a great job. I think she actually, she pitted me at least twice. She pitted me when I won on the line tires. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, not a lot of these people or that listen or whatever, they know what it's like necessarily to pit one of you guys. <laughs> it's definitely yeah, not, the it's, easiest, uh, not the easiest situation to be in. Yeah, it it isn't. You know, that's definitely a big a big part of big part of the racing is the pit crew and everything and just yeah, being comfortable with them and you know, uh yeah, just it, I mean just running the Running the watch and all that is not is not easy. I'm I'm not a great a great pit guy, so <laughs> I can't I can't say too much. The thing that I, I think that's funny is um, a lot of the times I feel like when you guys are racing, and a lot of times I, uh, you know, depending on the track, sometimes it can be kind of close when you guys are racing and listen to kind of what's going on and it's funny because the the racers uh, you have a pretty good idea when you're supposed to be pitting of course and there's always like that am i supposed to be coming in or what like you know like there's that you know you start to doubt your people down there everybody does it not just you know not you or whatever but you know you can see everybody's like hey uh you know is this my time and 
I'd like to know what's going on. And um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, trusting the person running the clock um, for me has always been, you know, something that's really, really important because you, you have to fully trust them on, you know, having accurate clock time and, and uh, you know, especially if your pitting schedule is when it's fairly tight. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to make sure you're coming in and at the right time and, you know, if you short pit just a couple times, then, you know, you've screwed yourself for the end. And, you know, if you go a little bit long and you're, you're tight on fuel and run out, you know, then obviously your race is, is uh, hampered pretty big. So yeah, the, the clock is, the clock is pretty key. And, you know, when you can really trust the person, then it just kind of clears your mind. If you're thinking about the clock, you know, during your, during your race then you can, lose your focus a little bit and, you know, have a couple mistakes. So, you know, kind of another change, you you talked about it earlier, but I think, um, you know, now that uh, you got, you know, Daniel was pitting for you uh, at Nitro Challenge and before, you know, on Kyosho, you had Joe, then you had Zach, which is, um, uh, you know, you did a year or two there with Zach and then, uh, with Daniel, what's what's it like with the, these different pit guys, and what do you kind of see? What are some similarities, and maybe what are some differences with everybody that you've noticed so far? Yeah, um, you know, I had uh, Joe pitted me for a long time, for nine years. Um, you know, we had a good system and a good trust built, and you know, I never, I never once, you know, would have to question if you know if it was full or if his time was accurate um you know with zach it was a pretty interesting time because he was brand new uh he had never even been to an hco race before the nitro challenge last year Mm -hmm. and so that was pretty interesting but he was you know zach's a smart guy he's a good racer and he had that racer mentality so he picked it up really quick and it it was also good because i could uh i could tell him exactly how i wanted it and we had a great year last year he he picked it up right away um you know now is is quite a bit different um at sic matt pitted me matt walter um but at at the bigger races he kind of more works with joe born horse and then danny more so works with me so for dnc it was you know uh danny and i's first time and um you know it's, it's definitely weird uh danny's the owner of the of the company and then you know he's pitting me and you know so that's that's kind of a whole nother thing where you know sometimes at the races you know it's it's super heated and there's a lot of passion involved. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different when the, when the owner's on the other side of my microphone while I'm driving. Um, but I, I would say all in all, it went, it went pretty good. Um, you know, last year with, with Zach and I, it was, it was pretty challenging. Um, I want to say I'm the easiest guy to pit for by any means. You know, I'm, I'm pretty intense. I'm pretty passionate. And, I want to win really bad. And so, (laughs) you know, it's not always super smooth. Um, you know, last year I remember 
me and Zach got into it <laughs> super bad over the over the headset during one of the aiming warm-ups. <laughs> I ended up throwing my headset on the ga- on the ground on the driver's stand, and like we raced the main with no headsets. And so uh, this year, the it was a lot smoother than that. Um, but I, I think it will get it will get better after a couple races. You know, everyone has to everyone has to learn each other. Um, you know, everyone's a little different, you know, Danny's been pitting for a long time. He pitted for Lutz, um, for a long time, but you know, they, they did things different that I'm not used to, like, uh, just for the clock, you know, they, they ran, um, just one single over Danny likes to just run one single, like overall time where I always like separate times. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was really weird. Like, you know, in the middle of the race, if I asked, you know, Hey, how long have I been out there? He couldn't really tell me because, yeah. you know, he was just going with the overall time, you know, which, which is good too, so that you can keep on your actual schedule. Yeah. But you know, like if you go, you know, like normally your first stop, you can go a little bit longer cause you topped off with the bottle and all that stuff. And, you know, so if you go, you know, eight minutes that time, but you're on a third, you know, you're on a seven thirty schedule, then you go back to the seven thirty, then it's just that the overall clock kind of gets confusing to me. So, you know, that's something we're going to have to work on is just getting the clock where we're both, you know, comfortable and understand and, you know, then just, uh, you know, what to say on the mic and different and different things like that. But I, I would say it went, it went pretty good. Um, you know, for never working together, I'd say the first race went uh, went pretty good. Pitting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, maybe they don't race nitro or you know race at that level, but it's amazing what all really goes into. And now with the headsets, I mean, before we didn't used to do the headsets, and um, you know, going back to when you used to pit with your dad and. Um, you know, and then everyone else you've had over the years and no headset. But now the headset thing, um, almost everybody seems to be using the headsets. Seems like maybe only Mayfield and is Ty using a headset yet? I uh, I saw him wearing one, but I don't know if he was pitting for somebody. Mayfield, he might have been. Mayfield don't use a headset? I don't know. No. Wow. Mayfield doesn't. I don't think cavalry does either what's his that uh, might be right. reasoning behind that it seems like it would just be a better way to communicate than yelling i would i would it's a I better would way so. to communicate um for sure i know for me the only the only downfall i have with a headset which is i feel like the upside is better than the downside but for me the major downside of a headset is I know I have someone I can talk to and I feel like it makes me more negative during my races because I can complain to somebody. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so yeah. when, when I, when I couldn't talk to anybody, I couldn't complain about something. So I would just, you know, keep my mouth shut and I wouldn't say anything. But since I know that someone can hear me, that's just, that's like the one thing that I don't like um, is that I can talk to somebody because, you know, it's just like 
oh, that was stupid, or oh, I can't believe that guy, or oh, these tires aren't right, or oh, I shouldn't have made that setup change, yeah, you're chatting. or you know, whatever. So, yeah, so it's yeah, distracting it, it you a little bit. It can just really mess up your. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely distracting. Interesting. I know I, um, I've talked to Ryan about it before. I'm like, hey, we, you should try some of these heads up. He's like, all right, I'll put it on. So he puts it on. He's like, no, I don't like it. I'm like, you haven't even turned it on yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. You know, I'm, I'm pretty used to it now. Um, you know, one, one big challenge, which like normally when I practice, I like to wear them too because of the, the sound of the engine is a lot different. And then one other thing that is weird is you kind of feel like you're like half in the race and half out of the race because like one ear is quiet and one ear is loud. Uh, Yes. Okay. And it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes when you're fully in the race, it's like you have all that noise and you can hear everything. But then when the headset's on, it's almost like, so, I don't know. It just depends. Like sometimes it can take kind of the chaos out of it, yeah. but then other times it can just feel like you're not quite fully in it. If that makes any sense, it's yeah. definitely different. Yeah, it's definitely I, I, different. I haven't tried it, and I want to try it just to see what it's like. So when I, you know, when I talk to people, but I totally relate to what you're saying. Like every step of the way, you know, um, the, the positives versus the negatives of it and uh, yeah i mean for me um it's me and zach had it down pretty good where you know as a driver my problem a problem that i have is i like i look around way too much when i'm driving which sounds really weird but it's like I can kind of like point my peripheral or something or like I can almost like focus my peripheral some. (laughs) And so it works out really good where if someone crashes, like if I'm catching someone or someone's kind of behind me where I can just, I I have to just have like some really short phrases that I say. And then my pick, I has to know what I'm talking about to Mm -hmm. answer. Cause if I start talking too much, I'll crash. Yeah, but you know, like if I'm kind of getting in a good groove, I'll come by and I'll just say lap time, and like all I want is like my last couple laps. Am I on pace? You know who? You know what's the leader's lap time? What's my lap time? Stuff like that. But I don't, you know, I can't say all that stuff. But it helps where I can just say lap time, and then they know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you know it works the same when you're battling. I can say you know who's behind me who's in front of me, who just crashed, things like that. So that it takes a lot of like thought process out of, out of my head. Right. Um, and then I'm not, you know, I'm not looking around. Um, so, you know, that's something definitely with the headset that like, I'm going to have, it's going to take a little bit longer with me and with me and Danny, because, um, you know, he just, he wasn't used to what I would, what I would want and what I look for. You know, he said that, uh, that Lutz didn't talk at all on there. So like they wouldn't say anything except just when the pit and stuff. So <clears throat> I don't mind my pit guy talking to me that, you know, talking to me, but it's just knowing what to say and when to say it. And, you know, basically knowing what I'm thinking and 
saying it before I have to before I have to, I have to ask for it. So <laughs> I remember Mayfield saying like Robert Battle and these guys. He's like they're talking the entire race. He's like he goes and it's like it's e buggy. He's like they, they wear their headset during e buggy and they talk yeah. the entire time. Really. Wow. Yeah, Robert and his guys, they do talk a lot. Yeah, some some people talk more. You know, I I probably Is it on topic or is it about anything? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. They're always talking in Spanish, so who knows oh, what yeah, they're okay. saying. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, for me it's, you know, but like it was always funny with Zach and I cuz we would just like crack some random jokes or just say something stupid before the race to kind of like lighten the mood up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, during the race, it's all normally on, on topic stuff, but you know, <laughs> depends on how, how good the race is going. If you're doing bad, you're probably talking a lot cause you're ticked off and yeah. venting and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you're doing really good, you're not talking very much. I know it was, uh, uh, during the main at Nitro Challenge, I happened to be standing next to Barry Baker, and he was wearing a headset. Oh boy. And uh, I was like, who in the heck's got you with a headset? He's like, oh, it's with Dakota, but but they don't let me have a speaking one. I can only listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good Yeah, idea. you can actually set yeah. those up so that you can have, like, up to four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, they're all oh. synced together, so that's kind of cool. Really? <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. you can be a spotter. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, it's it's pretty funny that you know to me the the racing part is hard enough as it is. I mean, just trying to concentrate and do everything you need to do. But um, yeah, I couldn't imagine having two or three people trying to talk to you while you're driving, you know and. <laughs> Back here, there's a run. Like I'm on the front side. I get it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like it definitely has its pluses and minuses for me. I think just the pluses outweigh. You know, it's you can be on the line and you're getting ready to go, and I can be like, hey, you know, my idle sounds good, my engine sounds pretty good, and he's like, oh yeah, sounds great. You know, and that's just kind of like reassurance. Yeah, where I, I agree. With no headset, you know, you can't, you can't get that at all. You know, you're mm-hmm. just like hoping you can hear it, and, um, you know, so I, I, I like it. You don't have to yell back and forth. You know, it's like, which now it's probably a lot easier to pit without headphones or without a headset because no pit guys are yelling. Yeah, but that's true. You know, back in the day when you had 15 people. And no one had headsets, and everyone's yelling up oh, generally at the same time to yeah. pit. And you're like, "Did you call me? Am I coming this lap? Am I coming next lap?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then by the time you yell back down, now you've crashed because your focus is all messed up. Um. So you know that that part's nice because they can just talk to you, you know, calm, and you can talk back really calm too. Um. But it probably is easier for the yelling pit guys now because there's no one else that they have to yell over <laughs> well yeah I've been, been trying to uh, 
just kind of bump around with Jared and talk about some different things that people usually ask about. Yeah, I saw you guys had a, had a few questions on the Facebook post. Yeah, let's let's dive into some of those if Gotti wants to go and read some of these questions here. All right, we're going to go. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, about the uh, two-wheel drive car you ran at Rudy. Uh, did Jared have his choice of two-wheel drive cars to run, or does Techno require the team guys to run the B6? Um, they don't. They did not require that. Um, that was the car that I was wanting to drive um, going into it, and then it just kind of worked out that you know that's the car that Joe chose last year, um, and then most of the other you know techno guys that's just kind of the car that they that they run so um it definitely wasn't a requirement um that was that was the car that i chose uh sean richards asks uh, for jared any plans on doing more dirtable racing um dirtable is kind of like my fall my fall thing so in the summer um you know fall i'll probably uh probably get the sprint car out actually i have a new sprint car now so it's oh. it's not all the way built yet but um yeah i'll probably do that my my daughter likes driving the ovals so she still has her her street stock so i'm sure this summer um it works out good because i can go run eight scale when she's out of school and i can just take her and she can drive her oval car and i can drive my eight scale and yeah. the tracks are right next to each other so it works out pretty good Oh, that's awesome, but no oval, no oval right now. I mean, that's exciting having your kid come up now and racing. You know, yeah, getting into yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. She she only did one race last year, um, but uh, she had a blast. So I'm sure she'll want to race again this year. Yeah. yeah, Jared kind of inspired me to work on some oval stuff. Actually, I saw him messing with that street stock car and. Uh, I actually had asked him a few questions about his body and his mounting and when he had it on your Kyosho and just trying to figure that out a little bit as we, um, you know, we're going to have a race this year at, at the Plex, at the Hobby Plex. Um, so yeah, I'll have some family members up there. I think my brother-in-law and my father-in-law are, uh, they got sprint cars and they're planning to go up there and race. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea is to, um, I wanted to try something different there with that race, and I did. I went out to the Chili Bowl. I checked it out, and and um, you know we want to kind of be involved a little bit in that market because it's off road and uh, a lot of body stuff and things that we can be a part of that we just haven't, which is I think kind of cool. I saw you having a good time with it, and um, so it's good. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of our racers have transitioned to the oval. And I think the cool thing with the oval is um, you're always racing somebody. It's the cool thing and the bad thing. Like, Mm -hmm. if you go to any race, like club race or big race, the lappers are a huge part of the race. (laughs) Because, I don't know, they just, they race you. And it's like, you're racing a car in every corner on every lap. And I think that's what a lot of people like about it. You know, off-road now is so gnarly, uh, especially like 110 scale off-road indoor. 
with the tire game and the setup and like it's so technical that I think a lot of people want to race with their buddies and they get a short course and they bash around and they go inside and then it's like you know all they do is work on their car and crash a bunch on the track and it's just not really <laughs> Sounds like me. that fun <laughs> where then they can go to the oval and they can bash with their buddies all day long and race with people and you know bang bodies and you know you're always you're always battling with someone which i think i think that side's pretty fun yeah Yeah, when i was at that the chili bowl it was amazing like you said you you just um at any moment you could be leading or you could be getting in a crash that's putting you a lap back yeah Oh it's, yeah, and it's just like it, it seems like in our type of racing, especially if you're a better driver, when you have the lead or you're in a great position, you feel like you're in control of that race. And sometimes you break or you make a mistake, but you felt like, all right, you know, most of the time it was something either my equipment or I did. Um, in that racing, man, it happens so fast that. It is just like you're just hero to zero at any moment. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think for me it was it was a weird kind of like learning curve thing where I can offer too when you're leading and you're in like lap traffic. It's just completely expected <clears throat> for people to just like pull over and yeah. move and like yeah. give you space, and that was like. My first couple oval races, like, man, do these guys, like, not know, like, what my car looks like? Yeah. Or do I, like, these people just hate me? Or, like, what is going on, you know? Like, I'll have a guy where, like, all buddy buddies talking before the race, and you go up there, and, you know, like, I'm leading them. I'm leading. I'm, like, lapping them for the fifth time. And then all of a sudden, he just, like, tries to do a slide job on me like after i just passed them and takes us both out you know and you're like what and then after the race you're like oh man that was so fun racing with you you know and it's just like it's so it was just so different and you know i think it's kind of cool where i learned you know you can't you know maybe you just don't you don't like expect that so much so even maybe now like i'm more aware of other cars and you know you just you know, you just learn some different things. Uh, you know, just in oval, it just seems like the lappers just not that the people are dirtier racers or whatever. It's just, I don't know. They just, they hold their position yeah. more. They um, see you coming up and, uh, they want to race you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like, oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah, fun. He... I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Right. I'd, I'd love to try to go to the Chili Bowl sometime. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah here's, I, I... here's Tebow trying to lap me. No way. I'm not going to let this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, they know exactly what your car looks like. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the opposite mentality. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, what was our next question here? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we had that. Adam Rails was like, he wants you to race gas truck with him bad. He's like, if he supplied the truck, would you come and drive it for a weekend? I would love to drive a good gas truck again. Um, man, that, it would, it would be fun. I drove one 
gosh, I, you know, I, I feel like I want to say a couple of years ago, but shoot, it was probably a lot longer than that. Well, I, it was actually, it was at the, uh, um, the fear farm. So it couldn't have been that long ago. I drove someone's truck and it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't how I would have had my truck. And so it kind of like ruined the whole, it like ruined all my, my feelings, you know, that I, so I would definitely love to drive a good handling gas truck. So if he could build a proper handling, the good motor and a tight slipper, I wouldn't (laughs) mind spinning one around for a few laps. There you go. Uh, Will Will Britton, you know Will, right? Yes. Yep. Of course. <laughs> he he's a funny Sticky dude. Situation. He's a funny dude. Um, he said, uh, "Do you have a lucky? Do you have anything lucky that you use for racing, like a garment? That you uh, lucky socks, lucky underwear? This is Will's questions, by the way." Yeah, of course, of course I do. I think, uh, you know, my, mine kind of changes mine. I'm always kind of weird about like my shirt color and stuff like that. And like what I wear, um, actually me and me and born horse were talking about this. I had lots of different ones when I was a kid. I was telling him that when I was younger, you know, probably, 14, 15, you know, when I was starting to win some races and stuff, I had, I had these flame boxers and these flame, um, like velvet board shorts Wow. that like, those were my like winning, that was like my winning setup. If I wore those two combined on main day, it was game over. It was over. It's amazing. I had the same box. So yeah. So, so this year I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> Pretty fully committed to red pants and my black race shirt oh, okay. on main day. So that's kind of I thought it I thought it through. I tested it. Tested. Um, it's been tested. I oh, tested it at Reedy good. Race. Yeah, we had a question though. Good. Were those velvet? The pants? No, they weren't velvet. Oh, okay. Nope. That was a question so, we actually had. Nope. Up. Just some, Somebody, just some red, uh, some red chino pants off Chili's. Okay. Somebody was very. Yep. They were. Uh, they're convinced that they were velvet. Oh, <laughs> I might have to. I might have to get a set then. Uh, so but yeah, got... I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not crazy superstitious anymore. You know, racers. We always have something. You know. Something weird um <laughs> you know like for instance at nitro challenge on my eight scale i like my body clips only going one direction oh well and for the main they put them on the other way and i noticed it on oh. the pit table and i was like gonna say something with the mic but then i was like ah not that big of a deal <laughs> But it but was. But you thought about it the whole race. Danny probably. will definitely know at the next race which way my body clips go on. Yeah. They go from right to left. Yeah. You hear that, Danny? Yep. <laughs> sure you get that right, right to left. But yeah, racers always have some weird, some weird things going on. But that's kind of part of the fun, I guess. <laughs> Then we got uh, Kevin King. He was asking, what's the most uh, difficult parts about being a pro? 
just results, confidence, or the equipment? What are some of the most difficult? Um, I don't know. There's lots of there's lots of different things. I think I think for me, kind of the hardest thing is just kind of um, handling handling like all the different people and and just just kind of being vague with that but just kind of dealing with all the different types of people and the different things you know whether it's social media or like actually at the at the races Mm -hmm. um you know i'm a i'm i'm laid back but i'm also like super intense at the same time so you know if a run doesn't go that good like I'm mad. I'm super mad inside. And I can, you know, if if I don't be careful, I can have like fire shooting out of my eyeballs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really want to like talk to anybody and, you know, cause I'm, I'm thinking a lot of my brain and stuff. So that's, that's challenging for me is just to, to try to not be like that. And, you know, to, to, um, you know, if someone comes up and, and, and says something, you know, if I think, you know, like, man, why in the world would you say that to me at this time to, you know, respond well and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, same on social media with people's comments and, and also people's, you know, just perspective on what a, what a pro driver is and, you know, what, what we do and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's so much more work and so much more stuff that's, that goes into it that I think a lot of people don't necessarily see. Um, so that, you know, that's the challenging part for me is just kind of dealing with all the different, um, you know, all the different racers, you know, it's tough when, you know, for most of the people you interact with, it's their hobby. But for me, it's, it's my job, you know, so lots of people are like, oh man, just have fun. Like you're living the dream and this and that. And it's like, okay, well, let me go to your job on your bad day and let me let me see how excited you are, you know, mm-hmm. when you're having a rough day at your job. So that's you know, that's definitely the toughest part for me with being a pro driver. Yeah, I mean and obviously I I can somewhat see you know, where you're going with that. And I can relate to you a little bit. Obviously, I've never raced at the level that you guys raced at. But even for my own racing, people I was asking, it's like, yeah, just come race and just have fun. I'm like, well, the fun part for me is winning. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, you don't like once you have established what your standard is of how you like to do, you can no longer do it just for fun like you have to completely it's like i'd have to change my name and everything (laughs) like you know i have to sign up as a different person to go out there and just be because it's like to some extent you're like i i want to not embarrass myself out here i want it to be decent and and then even for the for jared or any of these guys racing you're a world champion you know and it's like that's my standard (laughs) it's like I don't just come out here to just drive around the track and fly off the thing. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, like you can't just go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to like not drive for a couple months and then pop out on a Saturday and go race a Super Cup or whatever. You know, like that's no fun. Yeah. So, you Lots know, be- you know the effort it the effort it takes and everything to have everything prepared, the practice you need to have and all that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for sure. Um, yep. Uh, so we got, uh, uh, Javier. Um, do you want to take this one, Gabby? Uh, I'm not sure where you're at actually. I think I'm oh, on a different, was, go ahead. Oh, I was looking at Javier here. He was saying, he was just saying that he was commenting that you look great at the Reedy race. He was out there, uh, your confidence level seems to have jumped up. Um, I guess, do you feel that the new changes have rejuvenated your passion? And then uh, and then he said, with the change, do you see yourself continuing to race competitively longer than you previously thought? That's a, that's a really uh, a good question. You know, that's definitely something that um, – that is probably pretty true all the way through there. Um, you know, I definitely have a lot more confidence. Um, you know, I've said this, uh, you know, quite a few different times on the different interviews and things like that. But, um, you know, I don't know if at Kyosho just getting stagnant a little bit or whatever. Um, but, you know, I just, I just didn't feel like I was really appreciated there. And, um, you know, it just feels different now where, you know, like my input and my, my information feels like it's appreciated. And even, even just, you know, my, my driving ability, um, it could be, you know, techno obviously has never had a, a world champion or a multinational champion driver. Um, you know, so they're, they're obviously excited, you know, I'm sure the excitement will, will tame down at, at some point. But, um, you know, that's, you know, that's definitely boosting my confidence and my excitement to go. And then obviously when you get new cars and new equipment, you have to go to the track way more. And, you know, I, I love driving my cars. That's the one thing that I love about RC and I get kind of stuck in like a weird rut where I don't go to the track enough just to go and drive my cars because, once you kind of get into like the season, you know, it's like race after race and you have to rebuild your cars. And it's like, man, I could go practice, but then, you know, like my diff already has this much time or my engine already has that much time. So then I need to have a different engine. And it's like, Oh, it's like, you know, what's one day of practice really going to do for me. So then you kind of get stuck in like a rut of not, you know, at least for me of maybe not going and practicing as much as I should. Mm-hmm. so with all the new cars you know i'm i'm practicing a lot and i'm driving a lot which is the fun side of rc for me so i'm i'm naturally just having more fun because i'm driving more um you know and then winning felt great you know if i could win some more that's that's obviously really fun so you know i i could definitely see myself racing um for more years than I planned, you know, when I, when I made the switch and I reached out to everybody and, you know, made all my new contracts, everything's for two years. And then we basically just going to evaluate it after that. So, um, you know, everybody was a two year commitment. 
And, you know, we're going to try to do everything we can in those two years and try to come out swinging and, you know, get some great results and do some awesome stuff. Um, you know, if I do, you know, retire at the end, you know, that, that's, that was kind of the initial plan. Um, but who knows, you know, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and, uh, I feel like the fit over there at Techno is pretty good for me. So I could, I could see myself racing for a little bit longer. We got, um, which I think is a pretty good question. I, I don't really know, um, what you feel here, but, uh, you got, uh, Eric Swanson is, is asking if you would trade your two one ten scale world titles for one eight scale. Uh, absolutely not. I wouldn't, um, you know, all, all the world titles are, are special and tough and everything like that. Um, I would love to have a one eight scale world title, but, uh, I'm, beyond proud of my my two-wheel and my four-wheel and you know those those races to me are you know just as hard just as hard to win they're they're just different um Mm -hmm. you know you have to you know you have three three races so you know the pace really has to be there on the 10 scale on the 10 scale races and it's just kind of totally different The, the one 10 scale world's those events are actually like one of our fastest events we do all year where it's, you know, the, the event is separated in class. So the days you actually, you know, start and finish a class pretty quick. So it all happens pretty quick. You have to adjust to a lot. And, um, you know, then the eight scale is totally different. It's like our longest event is completely drug out and, you know, it's kind of just like a battle of endurance pretty much. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade mine. I'm super proud of my two world titles. Um, I'd love to have an eight scale one though. So that's uh pretty high up on my priority list for next year. We had a, a question here from Chris Trudeau. He said, what's, what is a, a must-have tool in your pit box? A must-have tool in my pit box? Like in my toolbox? Yeah, in your toolbox. Let me see. I got my toolbox right here. I mean, <laughs> you have all your normal, you know, all your normal tools. I don't know what, like a weird, I, probably like a must-have for me that, I use a lot that some people don't have is like different files and um, an exacto with a bunch of blades. I don't really like using a Dremel, so I'm like all about exacto and filing. So that would probably be some people have files. I have like four different files in my <laughs> in my toolbox. So um, yeah, that'd probably be like my you know, I must have, if I just grabbed some random person's toolbox and went to a race, I'd probably be like, dang it, I don't have my files. Yeah. But everyone else's toolbox has pliers and all the different, you know, nut drivers and hex drivers and all that stuff. But I do have something really cool in my toolbox that I take to every race with me. 
I have uh, an original 1987 Kyosho Ultima uh, World Championship car medallion, and I have my 2013 RB6 World Championship medallion that they sold with the kits. Wow. Yeah, I had a guy. At, yeah, I had a guy uh, at my my local track that he actually bought one of the cars in '87, and it came with a medallion. And after I won my world, he gave it to me, oh, and damn. Uh, damn. he was like, you know, I've had this since '87, and you know, gave it to me, and it was so weird. I'd never seen one or anything, and it was like. I don't know, a week later, maybe, Kyosho decided to make one with my car on it. So that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Damn. Yep. All right. What's 87, your, uh... Joel Johnson. That was Joel Johnson, yep. That's right. Where are you at, Jason? Which, because uh, we have two sets of questions here. I don't know which one you're in, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I stepped was away just, for a moment, but uh, yeah, I was actually right at the um, right at the bottom of the originals on the original post. So we'll kind of start on a couple of the new ones. Um, there's not as many. Did well, you get to the uh, eight-hole piston question? No. Uh, Jared, uh, this is from Mike. He says, uh, "Can you please elaborate on why you run a eight-hole piston on the uh, EB410?" as opposed to the typical two-hole? Um, yeah, so the kit, it comes with the two-hole, um, but kind of with how the testing and stuff went, I didn't, I wasn't really, the first couple cars that I drove weren't cars that I built, so I went out to, uh, to San Diego to do some testing and stuff, and... So we kind of started, like I drove Jared Wiggins four wheel, um, out there at SDRC. So, you know, I started with, uh, what he had been running and they had eight hole pistons and that's kind of where they ended up throughout the year, like with Mason and everything. And, uh, that's what Joe was running. Um, you know, the piston setup was a little bit different. So I, you know, just kind of right when I drove it, I was like, Oh, you know, let's try this. And, so we drilled them out a little bit, changed the whole size. Um, but I, I actually haven't, haven't uh, ran two whole pistons in my car. So um, I did. Oh, I, I take that back. I, I tested a rear shock, you know, in a different location in the arm, and I, I ran some two whole pistons. But uh, right away, I kind of went back to, to outside on the arm with my, you know, original setup that we kind of made you know, that first day at SDRC and they just had, they just had eight hole pistons and the, the shock package feels really good. So I haven't, I haven't really messed with it a whole lot. Um, kind of the way our, the, the shocks are and the location, when you run the two hole, you have to run really big holes. So I think, I think kind of a two hole is kind of out of the question on this car. You know, I think maybe you could run like a, four hole or a five hole combination if you you know if you wanted to but to me the uh the eight hole just works works awesome okay yeah um god yeah i was actually in the original set of questions uh, but you can you can bounce to the the new ones that you were kind of in 
Uh, was he asking on here also on the shocks uh, what benefits you've been seeing from this? Uh, the 1.7, 1.8, or 2.0s? Pistons. Yeah, that's all the two hole. That's all the two hole okay. pistons. So I, I haven't, I haven't ran any of those. Okay. All right. Uh, one last here from the original was uh, we got John Bolton who said that once he got home or home or back to the hotel after the Reedy race. When there was nobody else there, did you have to do another giant fist pump to congratulate yourself? Just say to take that to the doubters. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it probably wasn't really till like I got home and you know was was with Megan and like I got my cars out of the bag and you know I knew I was like gonna keep them and everything so. You know, I took them out, I put my wing back on, I put my tires on and the body and everything. I was like, wow, you know, like this actually, this actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, There probably wasn't any like extra fist pumps or anything. I know when me and uh, Born Horse, you know, it was a little, you know, it's always like that when you travel with a teammate in the rental car. It's like one guy's happy, one guy's not that happy. But, uh, you know, Joe overall was was pretty happy for me and so um you know when we got in the car and we we're driving dinner it was just like yeah like we did it and um so it was it was uh it was pretty darn pretty darn exciting um you know don't want to say like oh yeah just against all the haters um but it it did it did feel good you know it's always frustrating when you go on facebook or something and you know people are just ruthless with their comments on there and you know oh, yeah. you know hmm. all the different things has been and you're old and duh, oh. duh, duh, all this stuff and it's just it definitely felt good it felt really good yeah, people say that on the internet how rude of them <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think they would do things like that on the net i guess we had that chris christo says he wants to buy you lunch can he buy you lunch at the desert classic i would assume yes Oh yeah, for sure, man. Chipotle, it's right there too. Oh, there you go. That's like that's the, that's... the best part about being at that track is everything's right there. <laughs> I know. There's all types of good food right there for sure. Gain a few. Oh extra yeah, pounds. I'm always down for a uh, for a Chipotle. So mm-hmm. if you're there, Chris. Hook it up, Chipotle. Yeah. Open that wallet up. <laughs> Uh, we had a guy here that said that uh, he didn't really have a question, but he just wanted to thank you for the the RC Rad movement um, and I guess something you know about the positivity stuff. He thought it it really helped him, brought him back the spark. He said, "Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I kind of read through some of those today and saw that. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, man, it that was on that was honestly." they're probably to help me just as much as it was to help other people. Um, you know, the last couple of years I've been struggling to find the enjoyment and, you know, me and Zach had a, a lot of fun and, you know, we both think pretty similar with the industry and, and, uh, the direction and stuff. So, you know, it was really cool to, to start RC rad. I wish, um, I wish I could do more with it. You know, it's definitely not doing what I originally had planned, but, um, you know how that goes. The game of life is a, uh, not a predictable game. So, you know, I, I more so created the RC rad to 
to set myself up so that if I wanted to race not quite as full-time this year that I would maybe have something else that I could kind of push and kind of have some other sort of kind of like marketing tool that would make me, you know, worth something to a company. Um, you know, but, but now with the current situation, I'm racing, you know, full time, you know, uh, learning new cars and wanting to be competitive, you know, maybe even a little bit past the full time level. (laughs) Uh, so I just, you know, I haven't been able to focus on the RC rad, but, um, it is, it is really cool. It seems like it kind of boosted a, a positive movement and everything. And, you know, I, I had wanted to do it for probably the last three years. And then kind of that whole dead RC thing kind of just boosted me to just hmm. like bite my teeth and just actually do it. Cause I felt like the industry really needed it yeah. at that time. And, um, you know, it, it, it's been awesome. You know, I think my my fan base, my friend base, uh, you know, at the races and just kind of, you know, just kind of the industry in a whole, I think, is uh, is benefiting from it a little bit, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure if you guys got to this question or not, but uh, what, uh, Jared, what would you say is your most valuable racing skill? Uh, examples, reading the track, chassis setup, driving ability, picking tires, adjusting for conditions? Um, I would say, I'll say probably reading the track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's something that I just really enjoy. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, say it's from the motocross background and, you know, maybe it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoy the track. I, I like walking it. I like memorizing all the different bumps and, um, you know, I like searching around for different lines and stuff like that. You know, I would say that's, you know, a pretty, uh, a pretty, you know, good skill of mine. And then I think also, um, just kind of the, the driving mentality of never really giving up. Um, you know, if something happens, you know, a lot of people or a, a lot of my races, I, you know, some of my wins, it's like I have these crazy comebacks or something where I was like way down and then I came back at the end and, um, you know, I just kind of just have that, like never give up, you know, anything can happen type of mentality. And, you know, I think that's been a pretty big, a pretty big part of my career as well. When you arrive to a track somewhere and you start walking the track for the first time, what, what do you look for? Uh, when I first get to a track, I always go to the driver's stand first. Hmm. So I like to go up to the driver's stand and then kind of like get the visual of what I see, um, like from the driver's stand, like when I'm driving. And, um, I normally would say like 49 times out of 50, I don't walk the track before I go on the driver's stand. So (laughs) I go up on the stand and then I try to pick my spot that just kind of like when I go up there and I just look at the track, like whatever, like natural spot I kind of like walk to, that's normally where I'm going to want to drive from and, you know, look at the different obstacles, uh, blind spots, things like that. And then I study the track there. And then when I go down, then I'm more so looking for things that I didn't notice while I was standing up there 
Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my thought process. So I don't I don't like to walk it first because then I have a different perspective when I go up on the driver's stand. So I have to kind of go up there first, and then when I walk it, then if I notice things I didn't see, then that's something that I really want to like stick in the memory bank, you know. And maybe other people didn't see that because they're not, you know, paying as much attention as I am to the track. So um, that's normally what I do. Okay. Um, in your career, has there ever been a prototype vehicle that worked well for you, but for some reason or another, it never hit the market? Um, and also, have you built uh, an ET410 yet? I have not built an ET410. Um, I was thinking and hoping maybe I could for the Desert Classic, but uh, it's not looking like that's going to happen. Um, as far as prototype cars, really the only one I think I ever really raced would be the one in Japan. Uh, the RZ6, but then they ended up releasing it afterwards. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I raced a Durango once, but that was kind of pre-me working on my cars. I don't know if that was a prototype version or like an actual version. Um, but yeah, not, not a whole lot of prototype cars really for me. Uh, maybe some you know, a couple of little parts here and there, and they never really got released, but no, not really. Um, where are you running? I think you mentioned this, uh, the 10th scale buggy. Where are you racing that next with it? Uh, Desert Classic. Desert Classic. Next week. That's, oh, next week already. Yep. Okay. Next week. I don't know where Jason will be next week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's Eat pretty much it. Eat with me. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's we'll for Starbucks, right? <laughs> Starbucks, I'm sure, is right there. I'm, yep. I'm actually thinking uh might be another Chipotle night tonight. Oh. Oh, there you go. There you go. See that? The pre-Desert Classic meal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's that's my racing meal, man. If I'm eating Chipotle, I'm normally at a race. Mm-hmm. I love that place. <laughs> yeah, I think we've pretty much got most of all the questions here. I think we're good to go. All right, cool. Yeah, that was a that was a good time. It's, uh, well, Jared, give a shout out to your sponsors here and uh, anybody you want to thank, and uh, yeah, we'll let you go for sure. All right, yeah, yeah. I'd like to uh, first off thank you guys for having me come on the show, and um, you know everyone that uh, that's going to listen in and all the questions submitted and all that stuff. Um, you know, obviously all my all my sponsors and supporters who allow me to race and everything. So Techno, uh, MX, Macklin, AKA, KO, GSHobby.com, Ultimate Racing. Um, yeah, all those guys are the main uh, main supporters. Uh, take care of my family, feed, feed me and my kiddos, and, um, you know, let me race. So, uh, yeah, thanks all my, all my fans out there and, you know, everyone that's just been, uh, been behind me, encouraging me. And, um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been so cool. This year has been, uh, has been pretty amazing. Um, you know, just kind of the encouragement that everyone's given me and, you know, uh, the 
kind of going back to the Reedy, it was, it was so special when I, when I won and like that last, that last main, that last main was just really crazy. It was like, it was just weird because it didn't really have to count for me, but it had to count for Spencer and it was just a weird kind of dynamic there. And, you know, after it kind of looked like he wasn't going to have any chance to win, it was hard for me even just to drive around and stay on the track. And, um, the last lap, like driving to the line, I just had so many emotions going. And then after the race and, you know, I think every single driver, that was on the driver's stand came over and like gave me a big hug, like on the actual driver's stand. And that was just something that, yeah, just like, I'll, I'll just never forget that feeling. And it was just really cool. And just the whole industry seemed just really happy for me and all my competitors and every, everything like that. And, um, that was just so like uplifting. So just, you know, thanks to everyone that was, that was at the Reedy race that, you know, said good job or, um, you know, cheered me on or, uh, you know, was rooting for me there. That was, that was huge. And, um, just, yeah, a weekend that I'll, that I'll never forget. So thanks to all those people and all my competitors and, you know, just the, uh, the respect that they showed me up there was, was, was pretty cool. Uh, we have, we have an awesome hobby and awesome industry and, um, you know, it's, it's definitely alive and well still. You know, some people think it's dying, but, uh, it's, you know, it's alive and well, and it, you know, it might move around a little bit and fluctuate, but there's still, there's still a lot of good people out there and there's still a lot of racers and a lot of people that are driving RC cars. So, um, yeah, thanks to everyone and see you guys, uh, next week. All right. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks Have a, a good night. Bye. Yep. Bye. All right, it was awesome. Thanks, Jared. We had one guy that asked me a question about some inserts. I noticed um, about some tire inserts. He said, uh, "How often are the team guys modifying their eight scale inserts?" Uh, he noticed Mayfield and Rona Folks tires appear to have a flatter profile, especially the Triple Ds. And it seems like recently, uh, some of the tracks we've been to. Uh, the ones that get bumpy, for some reason, the guys are are cutting like a V into the uh, bottom of the inserts to try to get them to lay a little flatter to make the tire a little smaller. Uh, I'm not really sure why it relates to the bumpy track. Um, normally, you want bigger tires on a bumpy track, but for some reason, that's how they... Uh, they, they've been asking, and, and uh, we've been preparing them like that on those tracks, and it's been working. So it's pretty easy to do. Just um, you can either cut the um, the steps off of the inside of the insert, and it'll lower the whole thing, or you can cut a V in the center, which is how we ended up running um, most of the races at Nitro Challenge. We cut a V into the bottom of the insert, which is pretty easy to do too and okay. if we need it we can always supply a photo later i think that was it that was the only question for me well that's it not a popular dude this week no all right what else we got you're heading out to uh votes today thursday you're going you're going uh, where are you going this weekend well first we have 
the uh, we have a force series race in Florida, and um, <laughs> I was just reading something. The guys are arguing again on the internet. Yeah, so we got the force the force race this weekend, big eight scale series that we have in Florida. That's going to be good. Uh, that's in Bartow, about 40 minutes from us. Got all the, uh, we call it the kid crew going out there because we got our, we got um, AJ Marasco, we have uh, Jackson Brunson, we got um, Brad uh, that works here with us. And Wait, what's we the have, crew called now? I call it the kid crew. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and Lee Setzer because they're all like under 20 years old. Maybe maybe AJ is actually 21, but that's it. Yeah, so we call them the kid crew. They're all half my age. <laughs> um, so they're just going out this weekend to to get her done. So then Damon's going to be out there. And then uh, uh, the elder statesman, uh, JR, will also be out there racing with the guys. So I'm actually uh, looking forward to seeing how those guys can do out there. Um, it's a big crew of racers, good awesome drivers uh, all these young kids and then you got jr who um he's gonna uh, be driving his low c 8x and i don't he's run a little bit of club racing with it uh not exactly like a big race yet um so but i i do think that um he's gonna be doing really well this weekend just has a good uh, he's just a good racer. It doesn't matter what year you're in, what age you are. Um, the guy can drive. He can right. get it done. He's gonna he's gonna be out there this weekend, giving the kids some hell. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. I think maybe Paul and I will try to step out there too. Oh. And I mean, we're not gonna race, but we'll probably go out and check out the boys, see how they're doing. You have to race the 40-plus class, sir. <laughs> You're not allowed. Um, so, so when you turn 40, do you, do you have to run the 40-plus class? You can't You can't, uh, You can't. can't just run with the other guys? Uh, no. Oh, um, it's okay. just a choice. All right. If you want to run it, um, yeah, it's, it's still a choice. I don't know if I'd want to run it. I'd be like, yeah, I, I don't run it on a local level. Because um, there's not many 40-year-olds out there. No, there really is, is quite there, a few. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, some of the most popular eight-scale classes are the 40-plus <laughs> classes. Okay. Uh, I don't really like to run those. I still feel like if I'm running a local-style event, like I should still be running pro or expert. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've raced 40-plus on our indoor national series a few times. Uh, you know, it's more of a national thing, I guess, but... I usually raced that just because I could race my two wheel buggy twice. Why I could do, race. Why do we determine that forties like the the, you know, we need a forty plus class because you guys are old. Like, come on, man, we're not old. I, yeah, forty should be the new thirty, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know either. I, honestly, I think that the the issue that we're having at the moment is we have too many good. 40 and over drivers again yeah. uh, the reason why we started 40 and over is so that guys that were older felt like they had a class they could go and race and do well in okay that was the whole idea now 
we have too many people that are former pro racers that are 40 <laughs> years old that are racing the 40 and over class, and it's kind of ruining it, really. Um, so we either have to make some limitations on your uh, yeah <laughs> your resume <laughs> skill level. It's like, hey, it's like Billy Easton just won 40-plus at the Nitro Challenge in e-buggy. It's like, all right, I know you won, and it's cool, but you are a world champion. It's right. Like, it's not yeah, – don't. You know, yeah, um, he shouldn't be entered in that. I don't think <laughs> it's not fair. But you know, he the people he are, he's racing are very good though. No, it's yeah, not they're like on so much skill. You got all these guys going over there now, though. I know it's it's crazy, but at some point there will have to be some type of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. Forty plus class, like okay, forty. You need your own class. It's funny. It is. Uh, I don't know what you know the future is going to be there, but yeah. well, apparently that was the forward. original idea. The original idea was like, hey, you know, I always thought there's guys that raced our Super Cup back in the day who was like I, the one that I remember is like Larry Genova and his son. His son Zach, mm-hmm. you know, was younger. Larry was, you know, Larry liked racing RC cars, but I felt like he didn't feel like he had a class. Um, and it was like, to me, I always felt like, hey, that's a great class for guys. You know, you got your son, he's competitive, he's running the mod class or whatever. You can support him, and then if you want to throw a car out and run 40-plus, you can. Um, and that was the idea. But then somehow or another, you know, some of these 40-plus classes have turned into, oh, well, I used to be a pro, but now I'm just here, and I'm I'm just, I'm still fast as hell, but I'm 40 years old. <laughs> So it's like, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. It has to be a little different, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, Paul could easily run any 40-plus class. He's never ran – I don't think he's ever ran one. <laughs> um, yeah. And I remember – I don't think he's ever run one. He's like – I think he's uh, – is he almost 45? Is he 44? Somewhere around there. Uh, he's like the perfect candidate for a 40-plus class, but he never runs it because – He's like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll run the, you, you know, he kind of runs the normal. Yeah, he can um, hang with those guys. I think maybe a stock nationals he ran over or forty plus one year, and it was him, Mark Pavitas, and Barry Baker. This is God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and he, you know, it's like, uh. it was pretty stacked. I think <laughs> I who the other racer was, but it's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just how it is. I guess. That's funny. Okay. Hmm. All right, well, thanks for all the questions that were submitted. And see that we did get back to TiVo. He got, we had to reschedule him, so appreciate you guys uh, being patient with us. Got it done. You know what? For TiVo, when he won the radio, you can use the hashtag still here. Yeah. Like the Patriots did. Yeah. You know, I had actually thought about when I was flying out there because you were you had mentioned to me that about doing the video like um, Tom Brady and Gronk did uh, with Mayfield, uh, and I had thought about it, and then because then the Nitro Challenge was over, and I was like, I completely forgot about doing that video. Oh, but I was like, man, <laughs> yeah, just you know, oh, that would have been awesome. Bad yeah. boys for life. Yeah, I like that would have been fun, but oh man, 
damn it. I missed my opportunity. You sure did. Damn you. Mayfield be like, what are you doing? This is dumb. <laughs> Come on. He, he would have to. That's awesome. Eh, whatever. Yeah. After winning, I'm sure he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations on uh, the whole team over there at DNC getting it done. And uh, Jason uh, uh, kicking some ass over there. And congratulations yeah. to the crew getting that track together and and the time frame that they had to get it together and with all that rain and shit. Joey and the crew oh, yeah. Done, so. Awesome. And job. you know what? You know, uh, you know, it was funny because you know Jared was saying he didn't. Well, he said a lot of people necessarily didn't enjoy driving the layout, but they still built a really nice track in the amount of time that they had. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, it probably didn't have as much elevation as Joey would typically put on a track, but I'm sure you know they get another shot at it next year with the good weather. I'm sure it'll be pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. It was already nice. It was like you know. I'm just amazed what they did. You know, I was watching it and I was like, damn, because I was you know following along on Instagram. You know, he's like you know. Track build day seven, day eight, day nine. It's like wow, these... <laughs> there's still no track. <laughs> yeah, I'm like wow, these guys are gonna be under the gun, man, trying to get it done. But yeah. they did it, so big congrats to them. I got um, somehow or another. Mm-hmm. You'll have to message me and make sure that we have uh, everybody that we were supposed to send prizes to taken care of. Oh, yes, yes. I, I got some new stuff, too, over the weekend, so if we have to re- if we have to start some new giveaways. But, yeah, I want to make sure that we got everything out to everybody that's supposed to. I, thought, I think I was slacking on one or two of them because I was in and out, but I, I did. I thought I got something Well, there's, done, two, but... there's two that we didn't send out yet, and... One of them I didn't hear back at all yet with their address, so I'm still okay. waiting to hear back. But uh, yeah, well, make sure with me that I can get that done tomorrow. So and Jason has some new stuff, and mm-hmm. plus uh, Paul Lemieux sent us a uh, hats to give away. The, the oh man, holy cow! Motive hats. So I'll put them up on the site. Actually, I'll give them away this weekend. Okay. So if you're a patron of the show, watch the Facebook page, and. Uh, if you're a patron over at patreon.com, you'll be eligible to win a hat. So we'll give those away. we got uh, a couple of hats in. So big thanks to uh, Paul Lemieux and uh, teamgravityrc.com. Pay him a visit. Show him some love over there. And that's it. Love. All right, well, we'll catch you in the next show, fans, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yes, you put it succinctly. Suck what? Succinctly. It means perfectly. Oh, yeah. May I do that?